Friday, May 25th, 2018. You are listening to the Daily Dose Sports Podcast, and I am your host, Clinton Daly. I am coming to you from Denver, Colorado. We are right here in the Mile High City. You know, we get together every single weekday. We do talk sports with a dose of common sense. Might mix in just a hint of sarcasm here or there, and we are happy to have you here with us today. Happy Friday to you. We have made it through another work week. You know, we just got to suck it up for a few more hours. We are going to get to a holiday weekend, at least here in the U.S. of A, and that is not a bad thing. You know, I hope that you are going to get that full three-day weekend away from your job. Always nice to get that break from work. Hopefully, you are going to get that in the next few days. Hey, if you'd like to contact us, let us know what you might be doing this weekend. We would love to hear from you. Hit us up on email, dailydosesports at gmail.com, or feel free to go find us over on Facebook or Twitter. Both of those handles are at Daily Dose Sports. You know, we do send out a random thought here or there, but we always have a link to the podcast. And if you've got a question, if you've got a suggestion, maybe you have a comment or you need some advice, bring it. We would love to hear what you have to say. Hey, today on the show, we've got a number of things to get to, including some breaking news that is coming out. Did see a big game last night, and we will also have our weekend preview. What might be out there for us to watch over the next, not two, but three days? And as we do every single Friday, we will have our Daily Dose Top 5. You know, the Daily Dose Top 5, it has been around since we started the Daily Dose way back. You never know which way it's going to go. I never know which way it's going to go. I just try to hold on for dear life and just go wherever it takes me. But you know that you've always got to tune in on Fridays for the Daily Dose Top 5. Let's jump in with that NBA Western Conference Final that we saw last night. What a game. The Houston Rockets beat the Golden State Warriors again, 98-94 to in Game 5. And now, the Houston Rockets take a 3-2 to lead and put the Warriors on the brink of being eliminated. Hey, I give the Rockets a ton of credit because it wasn't always pretty. But they are grinding They are playing defense, and they are smothering the Warriors, and they're making them look out of sorts. You could especially see that late. They are making plays when they have to. And, you know, I will say this. The Golden State Warriors, they really miss Andre Iguodala because not only do they lose a defender and someone that runs the floor and someone that slashes to the basket, all things that the Warriors desperately need in this series, but they lose a guy who knows how to perform in clutch situations. And again, you can tell the Warriors are really missing that. The other thing that stands out to me about the Golden State Warriors is their defense is not sharp. Their defensive rotations are not sharp. They are not crisp. Hey, we all know what Houston wants to do. They want to go isolation. They want to dribble penetrate. You have to slide over to help. You have to rotate and find the vacated man that is now open. They aren't even sliding to help half the time. How many times do we see James Harden or Chris Paul get clear to the basket and the help doesn't even get there? Hey, that's the easy part. The rotation on the backside is the more complicated part. Just sliding to help, they're not even doing that right now. You know, I said at the beginning of this series, can Clint Capella and Eric Gordon step up in this series? And at times, both have. And that is one of the reasons why the Rockets are now up 3-2. And again, like I said, the Houston defense, they're making Golden State look uncomfortable. They're making them look out of sorts. Look at the Warriors' last few possessions. They failed to score a basket with less than 30 seconds left, down by two, when Chris Paul was too injured to even get back on defense. It was five on four. What did the Warriors get out of that possession? 
Quinn Cook takes a three on what was at that point the most important possession of the game. That's what you want? Give the ball to Durant. Give the ball to Curry. No, Quinn Cook takes a three and misses it. You get nothing. The Warriors commit 18 turnovers to the Rockets' 12. And that is kind of how this series is going right now. And as bad as the Eastern Finals have been, Cleveland and Boston have been boring games. These last two games in the Western Conference, hey, these games have been excellent. Highly entertaining stuff. I'll be honest, I can't wait for Game 6. We're going to see what happens here. But hey, congrats to the Rockets last night. That's a huge win. You know, President Donald Trump says the NFL is doing the right thing with that policy banning kneeling during the national anthem. The NFL policy will forbid players from sitting or taking a knee on the field during the national anthem, but it does allow them to stay in the locker room if they would like to do that. Any violation of the new rule would result, they're saying, in fines against teams, and then teams can decide whether or not they will find their individual players. But Trump said, I think that's good. I don't think people should be staying in the locker room, but still, I think it's good. You have to stand proudly for the national anthem, or you shouldn't be playing, you shouldn't be there, maybe you shouldn't be in the country. Now, I'm not going to go all political here on The Daily Dose. That's not really what we do. I swear, I'm not going to go too deep into this. But can I just throw out a little advice for the commander-in-chief, because we know, like right now, that a number of people are not happy with this rule. We've already heard people saying this rule is unfair, this rule is totally against the players, this rule is making too much out of something that isn't that big of a deal. I told you yesterday, you're going to be hearing things like constitutional rights. It's going to be a lot of pushback against this rule. There's especially going to be a lot of pushback against this rule, because it doesn't look like they consulted with the players at all. The NFL owners just sat down in a room and said, here's what we're going to do. And of course, the players union is not happy with that whole situation. So there is some pushback against this new rule. I'm not a psychiatrist, although it seems that I do play one on a podcast each and every weekday. (laughs) But couldn't Donald Trump just come out and do something a little bit different? Couldn't Donald Trump just come out and say he doesn't like the rule? Does he have to back the rule? I'm pretty sure that there are going to be a number of people that hear those comments. There are going to be a number of people that just decide, just in general, hey, Donald Trump likes this, so I'm not going to. So why wouldn't he just come out and say, well, this isn't enough, and the NFL is just screwed up again, and they don't seem to get it, and just act like he's all mad about it? Because I think just saying that and just coming out against it would actually probably get some people to go, oh, Trump hates it? Oh, well, yeah, actually, I kind of like it. Not that I think about it. I mean, it gives the option for players to stay in the locker room. If they want to come out and pay the fine, that's up to them. But it does, you know, change things a little bit. I mean, the NBA has a rule in place. We don't really hear about that. The NBA has a rule in place that you must stand for the national anthem. We remember here in Denver, the whole situation with Mahmoud Abdul-Raouf. The NBA has that rule. The problem for this rule is when Donald Trump comes out and says he likes it, immediately everyone goes, oh, well, then we must hate it. It must be a stupid rule if he likes it. I'm just saying it might have made more sense for him to come out and act like he's against it. You probably would have gotten people going the other way. Maybe that's just me. I'm just thinking out loud here. It just might work though. Hey, coming back, we will be previewing the weekend in sports. You know what? This time of the year, it isn't that we're looking for quantity 
we know that we're not going to have that much quantity. Like there's just not that much out there. But we might have some quality this weekend. There will still be plenty for you to watch over the Memorial Day weekend. Plus, we do still have to get to our Daily Dose Top 5. We will get to all of that right after this. You know, we do this every single week. We take a look at some of the upcoming events over the weekend because you have a lot to do. We try to keep you up on the best things that you might want to tune in for. And especially, you know, on Friday, you're starting to think about all the things that you might do over the weekend. And we know that you probably won't do them, but you're starting to think about what you might do over the weekend. Like I might clean out the garage. I might totally re-landscape the yard. I might do a lot of things. Well, right now on Friday, we like to just kind of throw out some things that you might want to tune in for because there are some decent games worth watching. And we do also pick the games, or at least we do our best to pick the games. And for the record, we don't pick the easy games. We pick the ones that are actually worth watching. It isn't easy. We do it for you. Last week, we actually went four and two on our picks. Now, we did push on a four-game baseball series. So that one, you know, what is that? Four, two, and one, I guess. And I did miss my over-under on LeBron shooting like 40 free throws in game three. That's my mistake. I thought sure the NBA would get involved. I completely overrated the idea that a road team would go out in the NBA and attempt to win. And that's on me. That's my fault. I thought the Boston Celtics would go to Cleveland, actually try to get a win. I've since learned that these NBA teams go on the road game and just go, yeah, we're not even going to give it a shot. Like we already know the deck is stacked. We'll just wait till we get back home. Thanks for flying us up here, but I don't think we're really going to give it too much of a try today. That's my bad. I should have made a better bet. You know what I should have bet? I should have set the over-under on how many steps LeBron and James Harden will be allowed to take before a travel is actually called. I'm going to set the over-under this weekend for that one. The over-under is 16. Do you think it'll get called? I'll bet they won't call it. I'll bet we will not see a travel called on either one of them all weekend. I can set it at 16. It'll never get called. We will not see a single travel violation called against James Harden or LeBron James. So I'll put that on this week's predictions. I bet I get that one right. And we do have to be sharp because remember, sports betting is coming. So we've got to stay sharp here at the Daily Dose. Remember all times given our mountain time zone. Starting off tonight. Now we have a couple of Major League Baseball series, three game series starting tonight. And there's a couple of good ones. So starting at 5 p.m. tonight, we have the Los Angeles Angels going to New York to face the Yankees. First game in a three-game series. You know, the Los Angeles Angels have definitely cooled off lately. We talked about that this week. But it's going to be interesting to see them tested against one of the big dogs in Major League Baseball. The Yankees have won 10 of their last 12 games. And of course, John Carlos Stanton and Gary Sanchez are just crushing the ball. But Angels versus Yankees, that should be a very interesting series to watch all weekend. Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. I would obviously take the Yankees to win the series, but that should be pretty entertaining over in the American League. At 5-10 tonight, we have another pretty good series in Major League Baseball. We have the Atlanta Braves going to Boston to face the Red Sox in another three-game series. And this one should be even better. You know, the Atlanta Braves and that high-powered offense going to Boston... And we're going to see if they can stay on track against that Red Sox pitching staff that is one of the best in the league. It's going to be strength versus strength here. Offense versus defense here. This one, Atlanta versus Boston, again, all weekend should be worth watching. This is going to be a good test for Atlanta. I want to see, can they really play, you know, with one of the best teams in Major League Baseball? I think the Boston Red Sox are right there. That should be a good series all weekend. 
I like the Boston Red Sox to win the best of three in this series. At 6.30 tonight, we have Game 6 of the NBA Eastern Conference Finals. The Boston Celtics go to Cleveland. And I don't even know what to say about these games anymore. I mean, I guess it's Cleveland's turn now. I don't know. These two teams just seem to play hard at home. And the refs usually just give the home team all the calls. This game is in Cleveland. So what else can I expect tonight but another Cleveland blowout? Remember, the average point spread in these games through five games is 18 points. Yeah, I guess I'll take Cleveland in game six. But if I were Boston, do not go up to Cleveland thinking, hey, we've still got that game seven in our pocket back in Boston. Yes, they've played very well in Boston. I wouldn't go up there thinking that way. I think Cleveland wins this and probably wins it pretty easily. I'll take them in my pick, and then we'll see what happens in Game 7 on Sunday. Now, not much happening on Saturday. Hey, it's going to be a good day to rest up. It's going to be a good day to take it easy. Make sure you have all the food for those Memorial Day barbecues. But on Saturday evening at 7 p.m., we do have Game 6 of the NBA Western Conference Finals. Houston at Golden State. This game is going to be in Oakland. And I would think that the Warriors are going to come out firing. The biggest question I have for this game, will Andre Iguodala be back? Because I do think he changes the way the Warriors look. That bench is way too short as it is. Losing Iguodala has been crucial for the Warriors. I'm going to take the Warriors in this game. And I think that this series is headed to seven. Moving on to Sunday. You know, on Sunday morning, No, we don't have any early morning NBA. We don't have any early morning NHL. We don't have any college basketball. We don't have any NFL football. But we do have the greatest spectacle in racing as the Indy 500 will be taking place for the 102nd time. And no, the Indy 500 is not even close to what it used to be. And we don't even know the drivers anymore. And the cars look more like a little kid's play toy than an actual car. But this is still Indy, right? Now, Ed Carpenter sits on the pole. And while I don't have any idea who Ed Carpenter is, he sounds like an Indy guy. He's probably about 120 pounds. Probably wears glasses. Probably has a degree in physics. That sounds like an Indianapolis kind of guy, doesn't it? Let's see. I'm going to go down this list real quick and see if I do know any of these drivers that are going to be racing at the Indy 500. Let me see if I know any of these guys. I know Will Power. Hey, Danica Patrick is going to be starting her final race. She's on the inside of row three. I think we all kind of know how that'll go, but got to kind of root for Danica to do something in her final race, don't you? You know Danica. Helio Castroneves, he'll be in the race. Scott Dixon. Tony Kanan, Marco Andretti, another name that you probably know, Graham Rahal. We remember Graham's dad running back at Indy back in the 80s. Oh, my cousin Connor Daly is starting dead last. Go Connor. Got to be rooting for Connor Daly, don't we? So see, there are at least a few drivers in this year's Indianapolis 500 that you might actually know. Time to tune in to Indy. Hey, hopefully we at least are entertained. It's a fast, fast race. And I don't mean fast as far as duration. I mean the speeds that they're running at. Sure, you can't really tell on TV. But trust me, they're going super fast. No, as far as the actual race, it's like four hours of them driving in circles. But just tune in. You might be entertained, okay? At 4 p.m. on Sunday, we have the Charlotte 600 or the Coca-Cola 600 or whatever it is. Hey, it's Memorial Day weekend here in the good old U.S. of A. Which means what? 
here in the United States, and I know we have listeners abroad. I know you're not all here in the USA, but here in the USA, Memorial Day means basically the start of summer. Yes, it's also a time to reflect on those we have lost. We do want to think about those on Memorial Day, but it's also the start of summer. You fire up that barbecue. You watch a little auto racing. That's just kind of how things are supposed to happen. Maybe watch some baseball. That's just what we do on Memorial Day weekend. Indy at 10 a.m. And then we have the Coca-Cola 600 or whatever it's called at 4 p.m. Now, here is the thing, because you might be sitting there right now and you might be saying, I'm not watching auto racing like auto racing does nothing for me. You might not be an auto racing fan. I get it. But let me just kind of throw out what the underrated part about watching auto racing is on TV, because maybe you're not that racing fan, but you sit there, you eat barbecue, right? That's what we do on Memorial Day. You get all full, you get all sleepy, you doze off on the couch and you have the race on, okay? Very similar to baseball. It's almost the exact same thing as baseball. You watch the scroll at the top and you kind of have an idea of who is leading or who is up front in the race. You doze off, you fall asleep, you wake up, nothing has really changed. Like maybe one spot has moved here or there, but nothing's really changed. Maybe you wake up for one of the million restarts that they have or another yellow flag. So you can catch right up in like five seconds as to what's happened. You might even have fallen asleep and they had a crash. We know that in NASCAR, especially, they love the crashes. But here's the thing. If you sit there and say, well, what if I fall asleep? I'm going to miss the crash. No, you're not. Because trust me, they're going to show that crash about 500 times Remember, NASCAR loves crashes. You fall asleep, you wake up, you see the crash. Oh yeah, they're showing it again. Oh yeah, there's another angle of it. Oh yeah, they're going back to racing and I'm getting really tired again. See, you know what I'm giving you right now? I'm giving you a nice Sunday afternoon nap. My gift to you. You heard it here first, right here on the Daily Dose. That's at 4 p.m. That race will go well into the night, I would assume. Then at 6.30, we will have what I would imagine would be Game 7 of the NBA Eastern Conference Finals, again between the Cleveland Cavaliers and the Boston Celtics. Now, we've got to see what happens in Game 6. If somehow Boston were to win that game, this game would not take place. But if the Cavs win, like I assume that they will, we will be looking at a Game 7 on Sunday night at 6.30. And Game 7 will be back in Boston. Now, I think Cleveland probably finds a way to win this. But I want you to think about this for one second. I picked the Boston Celtics to face the Golden State Warriors in the NBA Finals clear back in October. So yeah, I'm going to pick Boston right here because if I get this right, I can also prorate this and say, hey, I called Boston way back in October and act like I was way ahead of the curve on this whole Boston Celtics thing. So I think Cleveland probably wins this. I'm going to pick Boston. I'm going to stick to what I said back in October, and I am going to go with the Boston Celtics in Game 7. Now, moving on to Monday, because a lot of us do not have work on Monday for the holiday. At 6 p.m., we have Game 1 of the Stanley Cup Final. Stanley Cup Finals? I think it's one or the other. I don't know. They change it up. But we have the Washington Capitals versus the Vegas Golden Knights. Now, which team is more unlikely to win the Stanley Cup. Think about this. A brand new expansion team that is made up of players that no one else wanted, which, I mean, seems completely impossible. That you could put players together that no one wanted and actually win anything. 
That sounds like a sports movie that everyone would go, well, that's completely unrealistic. Or is it more likely that a team from Washington, D.C. would win a championship, a city that hasn't won anything since, like, Ronald Reagan was in office? They're still living off those Joe Gibbs Super Bowls in Washington. Those took place back in the 80s. I'm going to take Vegas in game one of this series, but that should be a pretty entertaining series. Finally, Monday night, 7 p.m., we finish up the three-day weekend, and we could have game seven of the NBA Western Conference Finals. Hey, this could be a great one. Can the Rockets finish the job at home if it makes it this far? Can the Warriors rebound and find a way to win the last two games and pull this one out? My pick, if it goes to game seven, I'm okay either way. It doesn't matter to me, but I took the Warriors at the very beginning of the season. You know I'm going to stick with them here. Sorry, Rob. Like I said, I'm okay with whoever wins this. It's been a highly entertaining series. I will take the Warriors. If it does make it to a game seven, I will take Golden State to win that one on the road. Hey, coming back, we will get to our daily dose top five. You know, the NBA Conference Finals are finishing up, and we could see a team punch their ticket to the NBA Finals this weekend. But, you know, all four of the remaining teams, they're all pretty solid. They all have a considerable amount of talent. But what teams made it to the NBA Finals and didn't have much talent at all? Just a quick reminder that if you have any shopping to do, you might want to head over to lootcrate.com forward slash daily dose where you can find the latest in pop culture collectibles that feature your favorite TV shows, your favorite movies, and your favorite video games. June's Loot Crate theme is out. It is called Colossal and it features colossal characters with larger than life collectibles and gear that you just can't get anywhere else. Trust us, it is going to be big. It features items from Godzilla, from Marvel Comics, from Ghostbusters, and from Jurassic Park. But if none of those franchises interest you, head over to LootCrate.com because trust me, you're going to find just about anything you can think of. The best part about ordering from Loot Crate, when you check out, be sure that you type Daily Dose in the coupon box. We are going to get you 10% off of your order. And whether you order a crate, whether you order a subscription of crates, or whether you just want to go order some individual items, we have got you covered with 10% off of your order. So make sure that you stop by LootCrate.com. So the NBA Finals are nearly set. We've got a game or two left, it looks like, on each side of this bracket, right? And while I think that the NBA East is significantly worse than the West, I don't think any of the four remaining teams are without talent. Yes, the Boston Celtics lost Gordon Hayward. They lost Kyrie Irving, but Al Horford is an all-star. And it looks like Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, they're going to be all-stars possibly for years to come. I know we hear constantly that the Cleveland Cavaliers are just a one-man team, but Kevin Love has been named an all-star five times. Kyle Korver is an all-star. I know we act like that team has no talent whatsoever. They have a little bit on that roster. And we know that both the Houston Rockets and the Golden State Warriors, they've got a few players that are among the best in the entire league. This final four that we have in the NBA right now does have some talent. But that has not always been the case. Today on the Daily Dose Top 5, we are going to take a look at five teams that honestly, they had no business making it all the way to the NBA Finals. But somehow they did it. Here are the five worst NBA Finals teams. Yeah, they didn't have a ton of talent. Somehow they made it. Number five. This one might not be popular. Five. I'm going to go with the 2011 Dallas Mavericks. 
Yes, and I know not only did they make the finals, they won the finals. And the fact that the Dallas Mavericks beat LeBron's Miami Heat teams in those finals, honestly, it remains one of the most notable upsets in the history of the National Basketball Association. This wasn't even a great Mavericks team. You had Dirk Nowitzki and Jason Terry, but both were past their prime. You had marginal talents like Karan Butler and Sean Marion. The 2006 version of the Dallas Mavericks team was actually better than this one. Now, you might see Paige Stojakovic and Jason Kidd on the roster, but they were both quite a bit older and not getting nearly as much playing time. J.J. Barea was playing more meaningful minutes than Jason Kidd, and Paige was not playing at all. If the 2011 Dallas Mavericks were to play the Miami Heat 10 times in a seven-game series, they probably just win this one, but they did win this one, and they won it in six games. 2011 Dallas Mavericks, that's not a great team. How in the world did they go on to win the whole thing? I don't know, right place, right time, whatever you want to call it. They come in at number five. Moving on to number four. You know, the 1999 New York Knicks are going to make this list because of the fact that they were an eight seed. And not only were they an eight seed, they were an eight seed that went all the way to the NBA Finals. And yes, it was a lockout shortened season. We know weird things always tend to happen when you have those strike seasons or those lockout seasons. But this roster, when you look at the 99 Knicks, they had an aging Patrick Ewing. They had Latrell Sprewell, Allen Houston, Larry Johnson, and a very, very young Marcus Camby. But you know, the bulk of this run was without Patrick Ewing. He actually tore his Achilles in the conference finals. He was only averaging like 16 points a game anyways. But the East was not a very good conference at the time. So the eight seed New York Knicks made it all the way to the NBA Finals. And then, of course, they were beaten in five games by the San Antonio Spurs. But hey, the 1999 New York Knicks, that's not a great squad. How they made it as far as they did, I honestly, I don't know. They come in at number four. Moving on to number three. You know, this one is confusing because the 2009 Orlando Magic went all the way to the NBA Finals on the back of one great player. But the surprising part is who that great player was because it was yeah, Dwight Howard. What? Yeah, he was their big cornerstone. Dwight Howard was actually enough. The rest of the roster, let's see, Jameer Nelson, Hito Turkaloo, Rafer Alston, and Richard Lewis. But somehow, Dwight Howard absolutely dominated the key. And apparently, none of their Eastern Conference opponents thought, what if we do this? What if we go small ball and we shoot some threes and actually hit a few and make Dwight Howard chase us around defensively? But that kind of mentality wasn't nearly as prevalent then as it is now. And as a result, the Orlando Magic waltzed right through the Eastern Conference before they got pounded by the Los Angeles Lakers in the 2009 NBA Finals. Now, you might hear that roster and you think, why are the Magic not higher on this list? Until you kind of remember who they beat over in those Eastern Conference playoffs, they weren't great either. The 2009 Orlando Magic come in at number three. Moving on to number two. Now, one of the teams that Orlando did beat was this team that's featured at number two because everyone knew of LeBron James' potential after being drafted first overall coming out of high school back in 2003. But it wasn't until 2007 that we really saw 
what LeBron James was capable of. He carried an extremely undermanned Cleveland Cavaliers team through the Eastern playoffs, showed the entire league, yet he might actually be worth all the attention. I mean, the Cavs beat the Washington Wizards, they beat the New Jersey Nets, and they beat the Detroit Pistons. And no, that's not murderer's row. But think about who LeBron took to the finals in 2007. It was LeBron, it was Larry Hughes, it was Drew Gooden, and it was Eric Snow. LeBron James had to average 25 points, 8 rebounds, and 8 assists a game just to get them there. And yes, the Cavs were swept by the Spurs in the NBA Finals, but those 2007 Cleveland Cavaliers, they had no business making it to the NBA Finals at all. Hey, LeBron James carried him. You have to give him a ton of credit for that one. Moving on to number one. And you might hear my number one selection, and you might think, Clint, you're so far off. There's no way that this team had less than those 2007 Cleveland Cavaliers. Because the team I'm going to give you had a few household names. It's just that they were no longer the players that they had been. And the best player on this team, by far, is not a 6'8 freak of a player that is now being put up in the upper stratosphere of the greatest players ever. It's not LeBron James that carried this team. It was a skinny little 5'10 guy that was actually involved in a bitter contract dispute and did not like to practice. We talking about practice. You remember him? Yeah, but somehow Allen Iverson led the 2001 Philadelphia 76ers all the way to the NBA Finals with a supporting cast of, again, Eric Snow. I'm not sure how Eric Snow kept making it to the Finals. Theo Ratliff, Tyrone Hill, and who could forget Aaron McKee. But you know, Theo Ratliff would actually suffer a wrist injury at the All-Star break. He would be lost for the season. So the Sixers would trade Ratliff and go get 35-year-old Dikembe Mutombo, who by this point in his career could do little more than just stand in the key with his arms up. But somehow, the Philadelphia 76ers, they kept finding ways to win. And it was primarily on the undersized back of Allen Iverson. He averaged 31 points and 5 assists for the season. In the postseason, it jumped up to 33 points and 6 assists. After beating the Indiana Pacers in the opening round, the Sixers were taken to 7 games by both the Milwaukee Bucks, who had Ray Allen, Glenn Robinson, Sam Cassell, you might remember that group, and by the Vince Carter-led Toronto Raptors, but somehow the Sixers managed to win not one but two Game 7s. They would eventually make it to the NBA Finals, where of course they were completely outmatched by the Shaquille O'Neal Kobe Bryant, Los Angeles Lakers, they would get beaten in five games, but not before Iverson actually led the Sixers to a game one win in the finals. He had 48 points again. Allen Iverson is like 5'10 and 140 pounds. What Allen Iverson did in 2001 with this group is incredible because that is the worst team that I have seen ever make the NBA finals. And we had a little bitty guy taking them there doesn't make any sense, but that's what happened back in 2001. Hey, it is Friday and we made it through another week. Hey, just a quick announcement. We will be taking Monday off, but you're going to have to trust me on this. I am working on putting something really, really special together for next Tuesday and Wednesday. You're going to want to make sure that you tune in next week. And of course, we will still be bringing you the latest and greatest in the world of sports. Hey, I want to thank all of you for listening to the Daily Dose every day. I hope that you are enjoying the show. Thank you for listening. Thank you for reaching out. Thank you for sharing. Thank you for subscribing to the show wherever it is that you listen. It is all very appreciated. I have to say thank you to JSP. Could not do any of this without you. 
I will see you all on Tuesday. Have a wonderful holiday weekend.